Welcome to Cordell and Cordell's Men's Divorce Podcast, moderated by managing partner and CEO Scott Trout, bringing you information for guys before, during, and after divorce, and everything related to family law. This podcast is not to be taken as legal advice, and no attorney-client relationship is established. Well, welcome back to the Men's Divorce Podcast. I'm Scott Trout, Managing Partner and CEO of Cordell and Cordell. And today we're going to talk to you about something that I think you probably heard about. It's called mediation. Uh, formal, informal. I want to try to talk a little bit about that. And uh, But we're joined by Kellen, who's we were just talking off camera, getting ready to go on up and uh, work out of our New York office. So welcome. Thank you. Thank you, Scott. I'm glad to be here. Great. So let's talk about mediation. I know I get that question a lot where, hey, I don't want to spend a lot of money. I want to try to mediate. And uh, I don't know necessarily there, you know, all this probably bad information, good information about what it really means. What is it? Yeah, and kind of explaining it, I, I I can chime in a little later about what I like to do and what I'll call informal mediation or kind of a variant of mediation. But, what, you know, let the audience know, really, what is mediation? Sure, Scott. So mediation at its core is what we call an alternative dispute resolution process. All that means is, is it an alternative way to resolve your case instead of going to a trial or a final hearing? Its hallmark is that people are trying to work together through a usually a third party, that's the mediator, to settle their case, try to settle all the issues that might be in a divorce, a custody action, or a child support matter. Yeah, you know, it's it's interesting. You know, I guess it gets confused. You hear about it. You hear about arbitration. Um, and, you know, many, many, many years ago, I'm getting ready to enter my 30th year of practice. I did um, civil litigation, employment defense, and we arbitrated a lot, which is maybe binding. Mediation, is it binding when you walk in that door? Are you stuck or can you walk out without a settlement? No, good question. It's not binding in the sense that you're not locked into anything when you go into a mediation. At its core, it is a process to determine if you can settle your case, if both parties, husband, wife, father, mother, want to settle their case. And so if no agreement is reached in mediation, you're, you're, no, you're not any worse off than you were before. In fact, I like to tell my clients you're in a better position, even if you don't settle your case, because at the end of the day, you're going to know exactly what they're looking for and why they think they're entitled to what they're asking for, which will help you yeah. as you progress through your case. Hundred percent. I, I, I many when I practiced in Georgia, I opened up our Atlanta office many years ago. And mediation, like in some uh, jurisdictions around the country, uh, it's required. And uh, back then, I think you had to make reasonable efforts up to, you know, four or six hours, something about a mediation. And I always told my clients, I said, "Look, this is an opportunity for us to do informal discovery." And you, I know clients hear that word. And what does that mean? Well, I mean, think about it. I discover, I find out information. I try to hold a lot of things close to the best in, in seminars. I'll talk about uh, Texas Hold'em poker. I don't like to show my hand much, but I certainly will listen and I'll gather information. As you suggest, we'll find out what they want. A lot of times in their effort to try to convince you to settle, they're going to share things they've discovered or they're going to use. So if it doesn't work out, great. Now I'm more prepared. I think it's a wonderful opportunity. So it kind of leads us into the question that people are saying, well, okay, great mediation. Why would I ever do it? So why would we do it? No, I do get that question a lot. As you mentioned before, in a lot of jurisdictions, it is mandated. 
So for example, in Tennessee, where I practice now in New York, where I'm going to be moving to, the courts require you to go to mediation before they will let you go to a trial or a final hearing. So at the very minimum, you're getting that requirement out of the way. But there is a bonus to this process. There is the information gathering, that informal discovery you mentioned, but also it can be quite an effective cost saver for clients because if you can settle your case at mediation, you may be cutting months, even years out of the litigation process. And then at the end of the day, I like to tell my clients, you're in charge of what you want to settle your case in. A judge isn't going to tell you what to do. If you can come to an agreement with the other side, you too are the bosses of your fate, right? You control the divorce, the custody, whatever it may be. At the end of the day, you're the one that, that, that made the sausage, so to speak. And so yeah. you're in control and it does save costs because if you spend six hours in mediation, it's a lot cheaper than spending six months litigating the same factors. 100%. I just had a client ask me yesterday, uh, you know, why, why make this attempt? Essentially, we're trying to mediate informally. We're not using a formal mediator. Um, and I said, look, you know, it's sometimes this practice is more art than science. And there's time to go uh, guns blazing, you know, everything and arguing, but I want to save you some money here. Let's make an attempt uh, to try to find some common ground. And I'm not saying you have to, I'm not saying you can walk away with less. And, and, you know, it's interesting. I just heard someone talk about the definition of what fair is fair is, you know, when the other side gets something that the other side, that uh, something they want that the other side can't complain about. That's so right. it's, a, it's kind of a real interesting perception of what fair is, but mediation can produce that. And so I often tell my clients that come in for divorce or modification, I said, and then I mentioned as we began this podcast, and that is an informal matter. So I'll bring in, I'll say, let's bring in opposing counsel. Let's bring in the parties. Let's all sit in a room together. We don't need a formal mediator because, you know, as we're talking about, we'll get into how mediation works sure. in the formal sense. But to me, it's a really good use of money. Maybe we spent a couple hundred bucks. Maybe we spent a thousand bucks because we're there all day or whatever it is. But it is, as you suggest, could be cheaper than going all out litigation where, and I won't necessarily recommend that if I really believe we're this far apart. You know, if I feel like, okay, I can move my client a little bit closer. I'm sure they can too. And we can do something really good for the parties that they don't have to experience uh, really the agony the physical toll, the emotional toll, you know, psychological of going through something now post-COVID that may last a year, two years. It's crazy. Right now, I think I, I'm handling case that's uh, almost approaching two-year mark uh, when we filed right before COVID. And so interesting. So if, if your attorney never offers you that, I think I'd question it. And I, you know, it's certainly find a law firm whose interests are aligned in trying to find a positive result because I've always said divorce is about degrees of losing. Yes. There's real no true winner. I mean, you're not going to get 100% of what you want. They're not going to get 100% of what they want. There is some loss in the middle. Yeah. And so, I, you know, it is a good effort. I, I'm a big fan of trying to find the common ground. But yeah. if the client says, nope, I want to litigate, then I'm all in. Because we are a litigation firm by, you know, by training. This is what we do. We like to go to trial. But I also want to make sure my clients are advised of uh, ways, avenues, positions, things that they can try to save a little bit of money and try to achieve some of their goals much faster. So, you know, there's my diatribe on mediation. But uh, uh, I, I tell oh, all my clients, yeah. you know, at the end of the day, they're the captain, I'm the navigator. 
They tell me where they want to go and I'm going to help them get there. I'm going to help them plot that best route. But at the end of the day, they're the ones steering the ship. So if yeah. we can settle at mediation, fantastic. If we can't and there's no way they're going to be happy with a the result, then, then we'll litigate. As you yeah. said, litigation firm at heart, that's what we do. So they're the captain at the end of the day. But it, it really is a great information process and a good opportunity to settle the case if possible. Yeah. So it really leads us into that conversation of, all right, we've talked about, you know, what it is, um, why I should consider it. Now, how does it work? Because there are different, I mean, I think immediately the clients feel like they've hear what mediation is. That means they got to go hire a neutral. I mean, there's these trained, certified trained mediators. And I just talked about an informal way, what I like to call mediation. That's more of a I use that word because people hear it. It really is like a settlement conference, but let's talk about how mediation works in your experience. Absolutely. So besides the informal process, which you mentioned, which is you sit down in the same room, you typically, it'll be the attorneys and the, the clients, um, the litigants themselves, and you're just trying to hammer out an agreement. If you speak more to the formal process of mediation, that is typically where the litigant, the party and their attorney plus the other side and their attorney will meet with a third independent party, a trained mediator. In some states, they're going to be attorneys themselves. The important part to note is that you can meet in the same room. You cannot meet in the same room. Sometimes it's not productive if emotions are high. And so the mediator will go back and forth between the two rooms, conveying messages. What I tell all my clients, it's super important to know is that mediator is not a judge. Yes, it's more formal, but they can't force anyone to a decision. They're not there to side with anyone. They're simply there to try to help and settle the case. And that's it. And so you're not boxed in as a client if you go to even to a formal mediation. At any point, if you think you're done and it's not working, well, we pull the plug, right? And we end it. Mm -hmm. But that mediator is a very helpful part of the process if you're going to do it formally because they will do, for example, what's called reality checking. It's to make sure the, the sides know that maybe right. what you're asking for isn't what they've seen happen in court. Why do you think it should happen that way? And that's yeah. a really good way to, to progress through mediation. We've been using here in St. Louis uh, some retired family court judges to mediate. Yeah. And the reason I like it is because most of these retired judges have trained the new ones. And so it really is how these new judges are going to rule. Absolutely. And so we bring them in, especially in maintenance cases, alimony, spousal support, where we're really at an issue trying because we don't have a formula here in Missouri and it is judge to judge. So it does help significantly. And it, but, you know, it's it's kind of interesting. Um, you know, it is. I tell my clients it's going to last eight minutes or eight hours. It, I just don't know. I don't know how far dug in they are in their position. And we'll find out real quickly. And as you suggest, sometimes you're in separate rooms. I think my uh, history, we, we get together in one room, we hear the ground rules. And then the mediator says, let's break out. I want to hear positions. And they really are. It's interesting because I do like uh, really experienced mediators, someone who's been around the, the you know yeah. the block a little bit, kind of knows what the trends are and what judges are doing, and then they can kind of give you some guidance. And again, I think one of the things is we talk about why and how, but one I think the things we don't want to miss is preparation, and that is I want my clients to come in with high low 
What's your worst case, your best case? And you got to be prepared on both because if you're not prepared on both and let's not go through this process very long, you know, you've got to be, if you're not prepared to move off of your position, then, then let's not, uh, you know, take too much time here because I think preparation is a big one uh, because you are, you can feel pressured. Yeah. One of the things I feel like clients tend to sign documents in a mediation when they felt like they had to. So sometimes I like to, if I feel like we're going to get a mediated agreement, I'm going to take a full eight to 10 hours that whole day. Uh, we'll take a lunch break. We'll go for a walk and we'll talk through it and say, look, hey, let's walk away. If you're not comfortable, we're out. You know, I, I give no pressure. I have, in fact, tell my clients, look, you don't like it. I'm ready to go to trial. I'm good. Absolutely. You know, I agree. Uh, and so what, what tends to happen, I see, and I agree with you, if you don't do that prep, then it's hard to know where that ceiling and that floor is. And I tell my clients, I can't effectively represent you in mediation unless I really know what those those highs and lows are, because it's going to guide us as we go through the mediation. But at the end of the day, if you don't settle your case, okay, maybe we go to trial. There's nothing to stop another informal settlement conference two weeks down the road. Maybe people come to their senses and say, wait, you know, maybe that wasn't such a bad idea. Yeah. So I don't want anyone to ever sign anything they're not sold on. They, they believe in it. They want it. That's what they were going to do. And I do the same thing, Scott. I will take my clients yeah. aside and talk to them. Are you sure? Are you comfortable? And if they're not, we walk out. No problem. Yeah. Two things. I've, I've seen it. I've heard it. Uh, parties go to mediation without attorneys. I think it's a massive mistake. I agree. I agree. Yeah. Because at the core of any mediation, if you're involved in a legal case, it is a legal case. There are laws, there are procedures that if you don't know, it doesn't affect the agreement at the end of the day. If you go before a judge after signing a mediated agreement and say, well, well, judge, I didn't really know that. The judge may look at you and say, well, why didn't you have an attorney? Right. Mm-hmm. We also are familiar with the local players, the judges, the other attorneys. And so it's going to give us a, an opportunity to guide as that the, the, the captain navigator role I mentioned earlier, right? I want to help you pick that best route. You know, I'm, I'm not making the decisions, but I know the route. I've been there. We've seen it before. And so I, I agree. I'm, I'm not a fan of people going to mediation without attorneys. It's It can end in a way that some people don't want. And so it's never yeah. my recommendation. So the, the unusual, and I know this doesn't apply everywhere. I think when I practiced in Georgia, it didn't apply. So when we re- reached an agreement in mediation, we all, of course, always reduced it to writing. So there was no ambiguity or misunderstanding. But I always told my clients, look, until the judge puts, you know, the true judge puts the pen on the paper and approves this, anybody can walk out, walk away and opt out without penalty at any time. Um, that's you know a big concern because you invest a lot of time. And if you have buyer's remorse, I've had it happen where both the client and opposing party wanted to back out and they did. Yep, it's happened to me too before. I will say some jurisdictions are a little more flexible about letting people back out of these mediated agreements. Some aren't. I think it's, it's, it's important in whatever jurisdiction you may find yourself in, whatever state, is to reach out, schedule a consult with us so you can talk about well, if I'm going to go to mediation, am I locked into this? Can we back out? Because every state is truly different. In Tennessee, for example, part of the agreement may be enforceable, but anything dealing with children usually is that requires yeah. an absolute judge's signature yeah. at the end of the day. So I think it is important to talk to um, an attorney in your state um, to make sure you know what you're getting into before you go to mediation. 
Yeah. And I, and I think going back to your point of, you know, always having an attorney present, I just, you want an advocate in that room. Um, the mediator's interest in get is getting it resolved. Um, not necessarily and probably never taking a position on either side. So they're really not there to look out for your interests in any way. Uh, they're there, they can explain the law, but they're not going to explain or look out and say, you know what, you really should be thinking about X, Y, or Z. That's 100% so, correct. They, they're not yeah, there to represent anyone. Yeah. Um, they want to settle the case if they can, but at the end of the day, they're not going to take a side. They're not going to look at one person and say, well, under our laws, you're not going to get that, you know, or you would get that. That's not their job. And yeah. so you do need that advocate there. And that's what we are. We're, we're advocates yeah. for our clients and their positions. And the last thing I think it's important is some clients in, in, in outside of mediation, but more importantly in mediation, don't necessarily or aren't advised on the tax ramifications or not necessarily ramifications, but implications of a settlement, meaning that maybe a smart opposing counsel is going to award to you all taxable assets, let's say, you know, you know, tax deferred income or tax deferred accounts. Like you get all the 401ks and the IRAs that aren't Roth, but her, the other party's client gets no taxable uh, kind of property. So there's a valuation. It may look 50-50 on paper, but if you have to consider the tax implications, it's something the mediator is not going to talk about likely. And those are the things why you really should have someone there to say, hey, because I'll give you an example. Uh, I'm in the middle of a case now and I'm, I've am i offered the other side that we need to make a, uh, a property adjustment because we've got more property, so we have to pay them money to kind of sure. balance out the 50-50 as we're more returning. I'm going to give them... Um, that amount in an IRA. Right. The other side hasn't said a word because when they, it's not worth, let's just say I give them, I have to give them a hundred dollars. Yeah. I give them a hundred dollars in IRA. It's not worth a hundred dollars. It may be right. worth 70, 75 bucks. Yeah. So got to be careful what you're settling for. Got to get fully advised. That's why you don't walk in without counsel and make sure you're walking in with appropriate counsel. 100% agree. Yeah. Well, great. Good stuff about mediation. Thanks, Kellen. Uh, it's something that I, you know, I think every client hears about, uh, but maybe isn't fully informed. So thanks for joining today. Hey, it's my absolute pleasure, Scott. Well, don't forget, subscribe to the podcast on uh, iTunes. You get alerted every time one's dropped. Check out all of the virtual town halls podcasts on our YouTube channel. You can go to that at Cordell Cordell. You can check out our website. And as Callum mentioned, you want a consultation to hear more about this. You can go to CordellCordell.com. You can schedule a consult without even speaking to anyone. You can go right there and schedule it online uh, to your convenience. The calendars are right there, times, locations, right there from that website. You can do it in just a few minutes, or you can give us a call, 866-DADS-LAW. That'll reach any of the offices around the country, including the United Kingdom. So until next time, have a great week. 